The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Oh, I'm not well. Getting the drinks in, some. Oh, don't take his hard-earned wages off him. He's got a harem to maintain. What? Moving Alina into one room and Emma in the other. It's apparently the modern way. You are. Well, Emma's cool with it. Well, I'm not. I taught you to respect women. What, what are you going to do? Alternate? Three nights each and then a night off for a bath? Welcome to episode 90 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish and Street catch-up podcast that didn't expect so much attention from one, someone to step up and take Lolly to her play. I'm Gavin. <laughs> mm, and I'm, I'm full of yummy goodness. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that yummy goodness is kind of sitting on me at the moment. <laughs> oh, still. Yeah, I was a bit smarter about my yummy goodness, I think, than you, than you were. I chose lighter things. Let's see, what did I have? I had duck sausage and pastry, so that was quite heavy. Mm-hmm. And I had escargot. And they were, well, they're, they're kind of like wee snotters, so... They were delicious. They, they were delicious. They're not, they're not heavy at all. No. And we had a salad. Mm-hmm. The salad wasn't heavy. No. It good. Then, then I had filet mignon and a lobster tail. Whereas I had butternut squash risotto and a lobster tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were kind of heavy on the meats, <laughs> whereas I was rather light on the meats, sticking to seafood. This was our Valentine's Day dinner so last so. night, which is why we're recording this on this a morning. Saturday morning. Yes, because we had more important things to do, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> than record a podcast <laughs> on a Valentine's Day. Yes. Yes. And then we had an electrical malfunction this, <laughs> this morning. morning. Our plug board blew up. So if you smell a little smoke <laughs> wafting through your speakers. Merry Valentine's Day, everybody. <laughs> Love to everyone. <laughs> it was a nice meal. It was It was gorgeous. It was $320, but yeah. it was nice. It was <clears> nice. We <throat> had a nice view looking over the river in the snow. I was getting a chill. Of course you were. There was a draft coming from somewhere and it was focusing directly on me. <laughs> I think deliberately. Yep, so we got all dressed up. Well, you were still dressed up for work because you came straight from work. We didn't because we I couldn't get a, a reservation. <laughs> the, the only reservation I could get in this place was five o'clock. <laughs> so I just came straight from work. And then I was rushing around trying to make sure children got home. And then I had to rush and buy you a Valentine's Day present because... Because we said we weren't going to give one another Valentine's Day presents. We were just going to go to dinner. And then that morning you came in with cupcakes and a little a little teddy bear. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, what am I going to do so, now? So this is the thing. We agree not because it was what? It was Wednesday. 
and we hadn't gotten one another anything. It was Wednesday or Thursday, and I said, oh, shit, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow, and I haven't got you anything. And you were like, well, I haven't gotten you anything either. And I said, well, let's just not bother then. Right. But then I think, well, does she mean, <laughs> let's not bother? <laughs> or does she mean, I'm going to be utterly devastated if you don't get me something? <laughs> because... It could go either way. <laughs> and it said I was utter- utterly devastated that you did get me something. Especially things I don't like. <laughs> cup- who doesn't like cupcakes? I don't like white cupcakes. Oh, well, then that's more reason for you not to bother getting me anything, because I, I honestly don't care. Yes, but you love whiskey, you love sausage, and you love cheese. I do, but I can get them any day of the week. Yeah, but you would never get them in in this variety. You've never tried this whiskey before. I know you've tried it and you liked it. Traverse so. City whiskey. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. I mean, right here in Michigan. Oh, the, so. the, the politics of <laughs> gift giving is just, you end up second guessing yourself so many times. But just, you know what? I was rushing home from work. I can just jump in and get you just a little something. Right. A little, a little remembrance. Because honestly, what I was going to do and, and didn't do was I was going to order a box from Parker's and, you know, get you lots of lovely pies and stuff. And then I was like, well, I don't want to do it too soon because I don't want them to show up too soon. Right. So, and then I waited too long. And then, you know, you said the thing on Wednesday and Valentine's Day was Friday. If you hadn't said anything, I probably would have ordered them, you know, Wednesday night. Oh, they would never have arrived in time then. If, if I'd gotten, if I'd paid through the nose or something. And then I was thinking of getting you another cooking class at uh, Le, Le, Cha- Le, Le Chat Gourmet. Le Chat Gourmet. Le, yeah, yes. And then you said, well, let's not bother with presents. So, because that would have been something quick and easy to just order online and print right. it out for you and everything. But you said... That's way too much for Valentine's Day anyway. Not not to bother. And then, and then when you brought me the cupcakes and the... And the teddy bear is like, well, it's kind of a false equivalency. Plus, the class I wanted to buy for you was sold out. So, <sighs> for me, he just Valentine's Day in our household. <laughs> the simplest of tasks. So the kids ate the cupcakes. We also got them a big butt sandwich and uh, some strawberry tarts and some chocolates mm-hmm. to throw at them as I ran out the door. For <laughs> I get them a deli sandwich and we go and have a three hundred dollar <laughs> three course meal. <laughs> it was Kids. supposed to be seventy five bucks a head, but the then the, we added the lobster tails. The lobster tails kind of pushed up a little bit. As did the drinks. Those yeah. cocktails were twelve bucks. Yeah, each. my Singapore sling was twelve bucks. Mm-hmm. I don't drink very often, though. Typically, yeah. typically when we go to trivia and stuff, it's a really cheap date because all I do is drink water. Mm-hmm. So. It evens out. Shall we preamble, my dear? <laughs> yes. Give me some of that lovely romantic Cory news. I don't know if it's romantic. We'll it better be. Oh. Or, we, or we're dropping this section. <gasps> oh, no. Sally Carmen has admitted to Metro that she doesn't think Kev and Abby would be a good match. 
She thinks they're chalk and cheese and any potential relationship wouldn't last very long. Let's see if the writers agree in, in future weeks, whether or not they decide to mash them together or not. I think I agree with her. I think I agree with her too, <laughs> but you know, it's very interesting when writers and, and actors have very different opinions about characters that they are invested in. I remember what happened to Joey and Friends. Oh, maybe you don't. What, what do you mean? He gave an interview where he said uh, that... That he didn't think he and Rachel would make a good match? No, and they... no. He, he gave an interview where he said that he improvised a lot of the scenes of him as the Dr. Drake Ramore. Uh-huh. So the writers just made him fall down an elevator shaft and, and die. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happens when... Hmm. So be be careful, Sally Carmen, getting in the middle of elevators. It's like um, Charlie Sheen's character in uh, in uh, that men show that he was in. His character. Oh, that was despicable. I hated that. But his character, because he was so awful on set and stuff, and and bad talked the show so much, his character got hit by a train, I think, or something. I have no idea. Killed. So, moving on. Adam Ricketts, the OG Nick Tilsley. Adam Ricketts. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be getting his dad, Brian Tilsley, back as Chris Quinton joins Adam in the cast of Hollyoaks. Now, Chris, Chris. Quinton in this photograph looks like uh, the Strictly Come Dancing guy from Emmerdale. Hmm. Chris. R- Robert. No. Sorry. Chris will play Adam's dad in the show. It's deja vu all over again. Deja vu all over again? Yes. Okay. Double, double? It's, yeah. it's funny because uh, Chris Quinton, you know, in younger photos of Chris Quinton, he looks like uh, Ryan Reynolds with a perm. What's the name of that guy in Emmerdale? I don't know. I don't watch Emmerdale. He's ridiculously buff. And he... Kelvin Fletcher. There we go. Okay. Kelvin Fletcher. He looks like an old Kelvin Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Well... In his younger days, he looked like Ryan Reynolds with a perm. So I look forward to seeing him cast in the next Deadpool. Oh. As Deadpool's dad. Adam Ricketts. But it's Chris Quinton I'm talking about. Yes, Chris Quinton. I just think it's hilarious that <laughs> they cast him as Adam Ricketts' dad. These, these old... Well, Chris Quinton left Corey. Oh my God, like... 30 years ago? Yeah, Brian Tilsley got stabbed by hooligans. Hooligans outside a nightclub, yes. I think they wrote him out for similar reasons to the whole (laughs) Joy from Friends thing. And I don't think he's done much acting since. No, I don't think he's done any. So so we'll see how that goes. Or we won't, because we don't watch Hollyoaks. (laughs) Yeah, he had a a champagne lifestyle, I think. Mm. I may be completely wrong here. You may be. But, you know... If if you watch any British television, you'll you'll notice that you see the same faces kind of get recycled over yeah. and over and over again. It's like how um before before he was the doctor, uh what's his name? Kelvin Fletcher? No. <laughs> the guy I like from uh in the thick of it. Oh, Peter Capaldi. Yes. Peter Capaldi played a a, a, a rich uh, Pompeian during the um, David Tennant series oh, of really? the show. Yeah. 
and then he comes back because there are only so it's a small island mm-hmm. <laughs> a small island so anyway finally sad news as itv ends its cory sponsorship relationship with compare the meerkat we don't get the commercials here <laughs> we don't but i do love those cheeky meerkats and human clothes so sad news <laughs> I do. I'm, those I, were. I'm questioning the how, how seriously you take Corey News. I do like those commercials. I do like the the little meerkats trying to sell me insurance. It reminds me of the Geico Gecko, but the Geico Gecko doesn't wear clothes. See, the meerkats didn't used to be trying to sell you <laughs> insurance. Where did they? they they've, they've changed the 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 thrust of this over the years because what the meerkats were doing initially was saying the compare the market website is the one that you go for your car insurance but what our website is is compare the meerkat (laughs) so don't get them mixed up (laughs) and that was the thrust of the 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 commercials and then it changed and then the meerkats became active agents and trying to sell you car insurance Huh. And it was a it was a, a gradual switch so that nobody noticed. Still, meerkats cuter than geckos. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a gecko over here that tries to sell us car insurance. Yes, and successfully does it. Yes, because we do we do have Geico. Sponsor yeah. us, Geico. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I just said that your your animal is, shit. is less cute than a meerkat. And that's Corey News. That's that is <laughs> that's that's the only Corey News you're gonna get this week. Yes. Our mailbag. Chris wrote in to say, just listen to the podcast relating to the ten thousandth episode, and it seems I'm somewhat out of step with you when it comes to that landmark episode. I thought it was largely nonsense. However, oh. I do agree that there was way too much singing on the bus. And I also think that the cheesy disco lighting effects and equally cheesy music did the cast no favours as they tried to convey complex emotions or evoke nostalgia in the viewer. I, I didn't notice what app Sean was using to secure himself a date, but in Emmerdale, there's a gay chap who finds his conquests via Mancrave. Mancrave. Yes. Yikes. Thank you. Thank you for that, Chris. I mean... <laughs> It was nonsense, but it was fun nonsense. It wasn't meant. To, it was. It was meant to be kind of lighthearted and silly and nostalgic and stuff. You know, you weren't meant to take that episode too seriously. I don't think. It was character driven, as opposed to plot driven. Yeah, which is nice every once in a while for them to. And Gary didn't kill anybody, and <laughs> I think that's what we liked about it, as well. That there was no and peril. And Tib's dad was just barely in it. Right. What's not to love? <laughs> and all of our, and pretty much all of our favorite people were on the bus. You just have to throw Roy in there, and and it would be, you know, just make those people the cast. Right. <laughs> we don't need anybody else. Hindsight corner. Ah, bloop, 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 bloop. Nothing in hindsight corner again. We're getting quite good at this. Let's get to the point where we may have to stop in hindsight corner. No, we'll have to start making stuff up. <laughs> or deliberately getting things wrong. Or or like this this week in Corey history or something. In hindsight, we look back to 
1975. And well, we kind of do that already in this bit. Yeah, but this is for us. It's not for Corey. It's for both. Well, I mean, like, really early Say it. Just say it. Like old news. Just say it. Just say what? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. How many times? Just enough time to quickly talk about eggy pie. Oh, I do love a bit of eggy pie, me. Do you remember what that was all about? It was about an eggy pie that... Uh, Which is what? Uh, uh, je- it's a quiche. Right. Uh, Gemma. It has to do with Gemma, doesn't it? The eggy pie? Yep. This was Gemma looking to get her hole off of Chesney. I'll come round a little bit later and we can get some eggy pie. Wink, wink. <laughs> nudge, nudge. And, and, and eggy pie they did indeed get. Quadruple eggy pie. I was Gavin. And Her you were... pie split four ways. <sighs> My stomach's a little tender at the moment. Let's, what? Let's not talk about... Yes. Her, that's that's how you get quads. Your egg splits four ways. <sighs> or you have two eggs and they split down the middle. I'm determined to get through this. I was Gavin <laughs> and you were relieved because I didn't do a, a rendition of Mr. Boombastic. <laughs> I'm still relieved that you no longer do that. We moved into this office. Yay! We started the famous people who share the initials RP. Oh, man. That was a misstep. That was a bad idea. It was not a bad idea. It was fun. I liked it. It was limited. (laughs) We didn't. Very limited. We didn't expect the show to drag it on as long as it did. I think think that was the issue. We stopped doing it because we had honestly run out of... Because there's a website. You can go to your website and type in... Initials. Initials, and it'll give you a list of famous people, most of whom you've never heard of. Right. And there were still plenty of them, but they were really absolutely people that neither one of us would have ever have heard of. Right. And I was quite bad at this game from the start. I was okay giving you the initials, but the initials coming back at me. I, I, I think I got one I'm still right. shocked that you have no idea who Rosie Perez is. I still don't know who that is. <sighs> uh, anyway. Shameful. Clayton tries to use Shona as his drugs mule, but to no avail. Mm-hmm. Chesney likely impregnates Gemma on the floor of the kebab shop. Yes. Tyrone is encouraged to take Mary's help in Fizzy's absence as an indicator of her making advances on him by Kevin. Ugh, that was so stupid. A Welshman named Mickey shows up and is unintelligible. You remember <laughs> I that remember guy? that. He's talking about the boat or something? That was great. Honestly, <laughs> not one clue what he was talking about. Roy's sleepwalking has started and Peter's boat catches fire. What well? Our moment of the week. In a week where a boat burned down was Gemma dropping the F-bomb and then Joseph dropping it a little bit later. (laughs) That's how good the boat fire was. (laughs) That's how good little boys dropping the F-bomb was. And our boring moment of the week was Jack maybe going on holiday. Maybe. Because Kev had to raise the money for it, remember? Yeah. Shall we dive in, my dear? Please. Our first storyline tonight is Ray... This morning is Ray Weinstein and Detective Bethany. And this is going to go Mm. on forever. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't call it Detective Bethany, which is what I've been referring the storyline as. And he said... Detective Bethany is more annoying than Detective Pikachu. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Starring Ryan Reynolds. Oh, it all comes back to <laughs> Kelvin Fletcher. Yeah, there's, 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 there seem to be like two or three storylines involved in this bit that kind of uh, couldn't really be separated out. So this is yeah. a this is a meaty one. They're really leaning into like straight from the headlines. Harvey Weinstein, though. Yeah, they, like, they even say Weinstein. So many, so many of the things Ray does. Oh, he's also exactly a little bit uh, Harvey Weinstein. He's also a little bit Jimmy Savile on Friday. Oh. On Monday, Alia and Ryan have picked up coffee at Roy's Rolls and he thinks it's weird that she can't get a coffee at the bistro. That's going to be our boring moment of the week. That's you great know. chat. That's great chat right that's, there. That's the boring moment of the Super week right passer. there. <laughs> Ray comes into the bistro. He's decided to give the place a makeover and he set Alia up with designer Cassie Ennis and has even booked Alia a suite in a fancy hotel called The Drawbridge. The maintenance today, which kind of shits all over... Uh, Alia's plans with Ryan. Bethany overhears all this and reckons it's well suspicious. How long is this meet going to take? And Alia poo-poos Bethany's fears. Alia explains to Ray that she has a prior commitment with Ryan. Uh, what, they were going to a gig or something, or he was DJing yeah, or something? Yeah, he had a DJ gig. She can make the meeting and the breakfast meeting tomorrow. It's just the overnight that she can't do. And Ray doesn't conceal his disappointment at this, which seems a little bit unreasonable. And Bethany can't conceal Absolutely. her joy. Then Bethany's in Roy's Rolls complaining about Ray to Leanne and Daniel. Leanne talks about how creepy Ray's solicitor is, Miles, something or other. How do we know Miles? Be- was- because he's the one who came in and threatened Michelle. Oh, right, yes. He's also Scottish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, his name is Miles. <laughs> this <laughs> this piques Paula's interest as she sits at a neighbouring table. Leanne says that he's crooked, but doesn't go as far as calling him a crook. This is all news to Paula. Leanne quickly makes her excuses and leaves, and Paula is able to give Bethany Miles's firm's address. Which, why? Why would Paula do that? It makes no sense. Because nope. she's she's very cautious about, you know, about what she says about Miles to them. But then gives them the information to, to look up on it anyway. Well, she's still looked up. Yeah, but why why would she give... Because most of that conversation is, well, I, I, I really couldn't say. I don't really know. You know, this isn't really something you should be doing. But here's the address and phone number. Ryan comes into Roy's Rolls and tells Bethany that Alia has blown him off, but not like that. And she has a uni reunion to go to. Bethany hurriedly leaves Roy's Rolls. Alia's room... Because Corey does this thing again where it implies that something's happened, but you don't get to see it happening. Because it looked like Alia had said to Ray, "No, yeah, I'm not going to go at the hotel." But then she he was disappointed, her mind. so she must change her mind. But we don't see that. Yes. But her room at the hotel is a maze balls. Well, it's big. She throws herself on the bed and is shocked when Ray just wanders in, saying his conference call had finished early. Let's get cracking on this meeting. Ray's ordered some drinks and it's on room service and Alia becomes increasingly troubled by this. She opens the door and it's Bethany. Oh God, this was just so cringe. <laughs> Do you think it's room service? She says as she thrusts her her smartphone in, in Ray's face and keeps going. That's exactly what I've got written down. 
You think it's room service, it's not room service. It's Detective Bethany recording the meeting on the phone. And going... And, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. What's this? Ray Crosby alone in the hotel room with a beautiful woman? Because that's illegal. Ray chastises Alia for not realising how much of pain in the fucking arse Bethany was from day one. He calls her a lousy manager and then slinks off. Alia sends Bethany packing. Bethany's career is over and she's probably shat all over Alia's too. Uh, so Bethany leaves and an apologetic Ray comes along once the coast is clear and Alia's back to being a star manager again. Yikes. He says he'll postpone the Cassie meeting and sends Alia after Bethany, telling her to pay Bethany to the end of the month before letting her go. Right, because he doesn't want her to keep flapping her gums and going me, 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 to other people. See, he, he seemed to come across as a good guy in that because he was concerned after everything that Bethany's been through in the past. Just make sure she's taken care of until the end of the month. Just keep on paying her. Which came across as a as a benevol- benevolent thing to do. No, it came across as pay her to the end of the month to shut her up oh. thing to do. Because if you fire her and you don't pay her to the end of the month, that just adds another grievance that she's got to go. Mur, 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 well, that about. didn't work. No. So Daniel is still in Roy's roles because he spends all day in Roy's roles now. And gets a call from Bethany telling him that she's been fired. He tries to talk her down, but she seems intent on taking her grievance up with Miles for some reason. Mm. So Daniel dumps his baby onto Nina, a complete stranger, so he can rush after Bethany and talk some sense into her. In goth makeup that everybody on the street seems to think is a vampire. Right. Could you look after my baby? But actually, actually, I really liked the interaction between Daniel and Nina because they were talking about literature and stuff and how... Actually, Wuthering Heights is his pish. Right. <laughs> and Heathcliff is, is not a good guy. He's an asshole. Yep. And stuff. And I really liked that. I was like, finally, Daniel has somebody to talk to who understands who understands his... Did Nina beat Daniel in that conversation? Yes. Yeah, that's why, that's why I was happy about that. So Daniel and Bethany have shown up at Miles. Miles is a bit of an arse to the receptionist, and then Daniel, using a false name, is called into Miles' office. He says he's been in an accident at work. He's explaining the situation while Bethany is outside and making a scene in the waiting room. Miles goes to take care of it, and then Daniel uh, Daniel goes round to Miles' side of the desk and steals some files from his laptop With, onto a flash drive. Yeah, onto a flash drive. Who still uses flash drives? <sighs> this is just... <laughs> So fucking stupid. And I mean, what does he? Does he just randomly take everything? Yes. Or, or just he or loaded raise stuff. And... He seemed to load the entire desktop onto the. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So then Ray comes in to see Miles while Bethany's still making a scene. You, Yakawi says Bethany pretends it's a small world and says that this is the prick I want to sue. Ray then becomes agitated when he learns that someone has been left alone in Miles's office and rushes off to investigate. But when they get there. There's no one there. No, because Daniel's already slunk out the back, Jack. There's a back door to this office? I don't think there's a back door to the office, but I think he'd already left the office by the time they realized that there's somebody. That's convenient. Yeah. But there is a back door to the office building because he goes out the back door of the office building. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. It really doesn't, Timbot4000. But I'd like a little notification before you butt in in future. Thanks. <laughs> you can't just be talking over people. So. so 
<laughs> Daniel and Bethany go through the flash drive on Daniel's own laptop. There's a bistro file with a list of employees' personal details. Bethany feels that that's creepy. It's not creepy. <laughs> it's you, necessary. It's absolutely necessary to write. <laughs> Bethany's so weird. Yeah. She's so. It's so weird how naive and childlike she is. One minute. And then the next minute, we're asked to believe that she's some hotshot detective reporter type person. Hmm. Are we ever asked to believe that, really, truly? Because she's really kind of naive about that as well. Oh, we'll get there. So, they go through another database of employees, and this all looks above board, but Bethany wants some fucking dirt. They find Michelle's name with an asterisk against it. There are other names with asterisks against them too. Why is that word so hard to say? Asterix. Do you want to say like asterisks? It's, it's hilarious because I got some new asterisks books just, this week. You just bought and you just got a new asterisks book in the mail. So there's another two coming. They keep on releasing asterisks books and not telling me. And then I check every couple of years and oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. I think I may yeah. already have this one actually. Asterix and the Missing Scroll. Yeah. Yeah. So you got yourself some Asterix books for Valentine's Day. And I, I, bought was, I, bought, I bought that ages ago. It's just taking a while to arrive. <laughs> I bought myself a bracelet. So. <laughs> nice. It all worked out. It all works out in the wash. So there are other names with Asterix against them, all women, and Bethany wonders if this means that they've all signed non disclosure agreements. Hmm. <clears throat> Bethany's on the phone with one of the Asterix ladies. But they hang up at the sound of Ray's names. Adam comes in and is shocked to learn what they've been doing. If this gets back to Ray, they'll be in a shitload of trouble. And but, also, this is illegal. Right. Then one of the Asterix women call back, want to talk, and she arranges to meet Bethany in a bar in town. Adam warns her to be careful. This woman and Ray might be in cahoots. So later, Adam is with Daniel, who keeps looking at his phone. You should get one like mine, says Adam. It makes a noise when somebody calls. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Adam realises that Daniel has a thing for Bethany. And then Bethany arrives back. The meeting went well, apparently, and she wants to play the interview in the cafe. She's just sitting in the cafe, and she wants to play the interview out loud in front of everybody in the cafe. See, naive and stupid. And Adam points out that, that this That's is, not a great this idea. is kind of stupid, so let's head back to Daniel's. Right. Aye. But this is dynamite, says Bethany. You'll need to get in touch with your contact at the Gazette. Ooh. Back at Daniel's. Because remember, Daniel used to write for the Gazette. Remember yeah, he's, that. He's got contacts because he's such a great writer. Because he used to write for the Gazette. He used to have like a regular column or something. And then all of a sudden that went away. How has Daniel and Bertie been living? Because he hasn't been working at the Bistro. I think he's still been getting paid though. Doesn't write for the Gazette no. anymore. Doesn't have a job. So it doesn't have a job. Is he still going to school? I don't think so. <laughs> it's maybe beard modelling. <laughs> maybe that's where the big bucks are. Yikes. So back at Daniel's. Bethany plays a recording in front of the journalist. <clears throat> I don't think we get her name. None of it sounds all that plausible and Bethany is a terrible interviewer. The woman says that Ray is a sexual predator and the journalist, the journalist asks how she came across the woman in the interview but Bethany says that she can't tell. Despite this, the journalist thinks there's a story in this, and Bethany and Daniel high five. She thinks there might be a story in it, but she'll have to she'll have to take a copy of the recording back to play. But they, but they don't let her take a recording back because uh, Adam doesn't think it's a good idea that there's other copies of that. No, that's exist. true. 
but you know she needs to double check with the Gazette's lawyers and stuff and do some and the editor and stuff right yeah so she never says yes I'm going to publish this this is dynamite we're really rocking and rolling here no she never says that she she says there might be a story here I'll let you know Mm -hmm. that's it I wasn't impressed with the interview I wasn't impressed with the questions. They were very leading and quite, like you said, a little infantile again. How would you describe Bree as a sexual predator? <laughs> okay. Uh, Bree appears outside Daniels and accuses him of being in the solicitor's office. Daniel denies it. Bree <coughs> warns him to stay away. He's not a man to be messed with. When Ray wanders away, Bethany says, we'll wait until you read tomorrow's Gazette. It's not even even if they took the story, it wouldn't be in tomorrow's Gazette, Bethany. That's not how she might, this works. She might not have said tomorrow's Gazette. Yeah. I might have said that. Well, and how does how does Ray know where Daniel lives, and how does he just assume? Because he works at the bistro. He's got the, well, yeah. the details. Okay. And how does he just assume that it would have been Daniel? Because nobody knows that he and Bethany are in cahoots yet. This is not public knowledge. Right. And especially not for somebody like Ray, who's a newcomer to the street. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, that's Monday. This this whole storyline is Fucking just... Fucking hell, that's 15 minutes on Monday. On Wednesday, Bethany turns up to Daniels to check to see if he's heard anything from the Gazette. He hasn't. And he's worried about the reaction from Ray, who seemed pretty pissed off last night. Bethany is reveling in this. She's ready for taking him down. Then Abby's had her hole of a ray again, and he's dropping her off, and they weirdly start talking about servicing his old Porsche, but making it sound like they're talking about having sex. Ray yeah. meets up with Alia at the bistro. He wants a table for six uh, for the Valentine's dinner or something. There's some charity do that he's thrown. He's worried that Alia thinks differently of him now, and she insists not. Not all men, says Alia. Yeah. Ray wants all meetings in public from now on. So Ray bumps into Abby in the street later and they arrange to meet up uh, during his fancy big meeting, which seems odd. He leaves and Eileen w- happens along to warn Abby that Ray is probably a prick. Bethany sees Alia outside the bistro. Alia says, you've got a nerve. Bethany insists that Ray's a creep. Alia says Bethany owes Ray an apology. Bethany explains about all of uh, Ray's other victims and the Gazette will be running a story, she says. Even though nobody has told her that, yes, we will definitely run the story. It's not like Bethany to jump to conclusions like no. that. Alia's chatting to Yasmin. Remember when she, when she thought she was going to be the manager? Yeah. And that didn't really work out. No. Alia's chatting to Yasmin and Tim's dad about how Bethany thinks Ray is, is a Weinstein. Yasmin is very sure that Alia shouldn't put herself in danger and she should come back to work at Speeddal. Tim's dad thinks that Alia is ambitious and successful businessmen are sitting ducks for these allegations, so she should wait for some evidence. Because he just doesn't want her back at the... Correct. And despite despising Tim's dad, Alia seems to pay heed to his opinion. Yeah. I am Timbot 4000. Tim's fucking dad can go and fling shite at himself. Correct. Amen. Cassie arrives at Speeddal and she and Alia chat design for five seconds and Alia says it's a shame that Ray had to cancel that meeting yesterday. What mean? asks Cassie, and Alia shits a brick. Wow, wow. Later, Ray comes into the bistro and Alia accuses him of lying to her. There was no meeting yesterday. He got her there on false pretenses. It's a massive issue. 
Ray wonders if it was such a terrible thing to do mixing business with pleasure. He seems to suggest that he's been pulling ahead of it just thinking about her. He's just a flirt. It's not a crime. Yet. He tells her to chill out, but Alia can't work for him. He begs her to stay and says that he's on his best behaviour from now on. So Alia goes round to see Bethany and apologises for not believing her. She was such a fool and Ray was such a lech. She explains what happened with the designer. Ray didn't even deny it. She's not going to work for him anymore and he must be stopped. And that's why we have to bring him down, says Bethany. Ray makes the whole comment that he's from a, a different generation. Right. And that's exactly something that Harvey Weinstein used as, a, a, as an excuse as well. So hotel room, meetings and interviews, check. Man from a different generation, check. It's just all the Weinstein. It's like mm-hmm. they, they just read the court filings and said okay we'll make him do this and this and this this is right in itself absolutely it's it's like a law and order episode (laughs) ray is having his meeting with the valentine's people in comes alia who accuses ray of sexual exploitation bethany says a woman has come forward and this is going to be all over the gazette but one of the attendees to this meeting is the gazette editor and bethany thinks oh pig's tits again abby who's at the bar sucks a thoughtful tooth at this though um bethany thinks ray has something over the gazette editor cindy Cindy says that Bethany offered no proof so she had no story. Abby announces that she's seen Ray and Alia explains what happened yesterday. Alia was really uncomfortable and Ray says he has to go. He has a charity due to organise. Bethany calls the editor a coward but she needs proof or she gets sued. Alia advises Abby to ditch Ray. Thanks, says Abby. I love taking advice from people. Bethany thinks Abby hasn't ditched Ray because of the money. Great. Women fighting about a man. Yeah, and the the editor also makes a comment that you know, Ray's businesses are one of the top advertisers right. in in the Gazette, so she can't afford to to lose the money. Right, and once again, that's <laughs> something that a lot of people <laughs> said about Weinstein. Bethany, does he still go into court with his little Zimmer frame thing? <laughs> the little Walker, no, no. Now it's just he stopped know. raping people outside the building, though. Because he was doing that for a while. Yeah, now he's got like two men who hold him under each elbow and and help guide him. It's 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 so much such a shame. It's so much exactly like what Bill Cosby did, you know, for his walking into court, acting all all of a sudden like a really feeble old man. He was blind. Yeah. (laughs) Except it wasn't. (laughs) Oh dear. Bethany descends on Daniel's flat, demanding that she gets to use his laptop. Oh, for fuck's sake, Bethany, will you just leave him alone? <laughs> Abby sees Cindy outside, and Cindy explains that Ray's company is the Gazette's biggest advertisers, but these allegations have been raised before, but without evidence. Yeah. Is Ray a sex pest? asks Abby. No comment, says Cindy, mm-hmm. which is all Abby needs to hear. Yeah. Daniel is enthusing unconvincingly about the quality of Bethany's blog post. Was that a blog post she was writing? I would, I assume so. Because how else would she get anything published? Right. The- he calls it visceral. Oh. <laughs> what a wank. Uh, Seriously. That's all right. I was called vivacious this week. <laughs> Were you? Yeah. Vivacious. In the city council thing. I'm too vivacious for city council. Too vivacious. Well, apparently, because I wasn't chosen. They needed the calmness. The calmness of a white man. Of an old white man. The, the calmness that only an old white man can bring. Whose family has lived here for hundreds of years. Yes. And who is. And who post offensive memes 
on Facebook. Offensive, racist, <laughs> sexist memes on Facebook. Uh, she's worried about the punctuation, but for the second time in two weeks, he posts something without her permission. There, it's done. Then, before she can complain, he kisses her. You can't keep doing this, she says. Daniel says that Sinead wanted them to be happy. He says this quite a lot this week, or at least better, and they continue to winch. Abby is explaining to Eileen about Ray's bedroom and bed sheets and how she thought that she could scam this, but same old. All she can pull is a sleazeball. Eileen is no expert in the matter. (laughs) (laughs) And Abby wanted to believe him, but she can't. Ray phones and she dings the call. She doesn't know what she's going to do, but she'll be doing something. Abby sees Alia and apologises for earlier. Abby is thinking about taking some direct action on the matter. And then as Bethany is leaving Daniel's flat, Daniel says that she could stay. It's been nice, she says, and they smooch on the doorstep just as Beth comes round the corner with uh, Bertie. Don't you ever ask me to babysit again so you can disrespect Sinead, says Beth, and she leaves him holding the baby, kind of. Do you think, how, how do you feel about this whole Beth thing, Beth being pissed off? I'm totally on Beth's side. Four months is not nearly long enough. No. No. Your, your mind is still... It's not fair on anybody, no. I don't think. You're still not grieving. You, it's not fair on the person that, that you're uh, trying to get involved with. Right. It's not fair to... It's not fair on Bertie. No. Who doesn't care? But... but it's still not fair to him. It's not fair to the other people still grieving your dead wife. Right. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's still getting to terms with the fact that Sinead's not here anymore. Right. Except on the videos that they continually show it, whatever. Oh, yeah. But... But yeah, all her family and all the people that loved her are still missing her. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of rubbing their faces in it a little bit with us. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally team Beth on this. Yeah. Plus, I just don't like Daniel. And I don't really like Bethany either. But do you like Beth? I, I like Beth more than I like Daniel and <laughs> Bethany. <laughs> Remember, Beth was great. Ooh. Beth was great for a while back yeah, there. Yeah, she, she was. She's gone back to being... A cow. Cowie Beth, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still more of a fan. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of half and half in the whole thing. I think it's definitely too early for Daniel to be in a, a very public relationship, especially with somebody who he kind of messed around with before Sinead died. Precisely. You know, if it was, if he was, if he was sort of seeing somebody else, I don't think Beth would react quite as strongly as she's as she's doing now because she still feels like Daniel betrayed Sinead mm-hmm. with, with Bethany. Right. I, I don't think it's necessarily though a dig on Sinead you know that, that he's besmirching her honor or anything because she is dead. She's you know, qu- quite dead. Yeah. Quite dead. So it's not like he's he's not necessarily cheating on her, but it is far too soon to be getting involved with somebody else. And his excuses for it, like the whole, well, Sinead wanted me to be happy. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Right. It's just, yeah, she wanted you to be happy eventually, but, you know, and he seems like a really codependent person that just needs a woman in his life. He needs somebody to be... T- you know, bossing around and telling them what to do and publishing their blog posts without their permission, without their permission, and sending essays without their permission, and uh-huh. just you know, being the man of the house, quoting Voltaire with somebody. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
On Friday then, Tim and Sally are talking about getting matching tattoos. Oh, yes, because it, Tim has bought Sally, you know, a tattoo for their anniversary or something. That's, for Valentine's it's Day. It's Valentine's Day to celebrate getting back together again. Right, yeah. So Tim and Sally continue to be the couple that are most like us. Because <laughs> remember, we got tattoos. Not matching tattoos. No, no we they haven't have to be gotten a matching tattoo an, yet. And nor will we ever. Oh, I still want to get the the um the Han Solo and Princess Leia. I love you. I know tattoos. Only you have the Leia one, and I have the Han one. No. Oh, that's not going to happen. Abby comes down the stairs, and Bethany's stupid article seems to have told the whole household about Ray. Tim doesn't want Faye to work there anymore, but she leaves anyway. And she uses the excuse, "He's never done anything to me," which is what so many actresses said. <laughs> After the whole Weinstein thing blew up. Well, he's never done anything to me, so he must be fine. Because why wouldn't anybody try to sexually harass me? I'm wonderful. So Ray is in the cabin buying a newspaper, just like Harvey Weinstein did. <laughs> it's that time he wanted to buy a newspaper. And he went to the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> he sees Faye and asks her to get on the agency uh, for some staff. In comes Abby, who is cold to Ray. Ray insists that he's innocent and these women are just trying to make some money out of him. He asks if she's still coming to this char to do, and although she initially tells him to bolt, she quickly changes her mind. And then privately she tells Faye that she'll handle the agency stuff. Yes. In Roy's Rolls, Bethany meets up with Daniel. Similarly, more women have come forward on the back of her article. Her SEO game must be really strong then. <laughs> it's a uh, visceral. <laughs> then in comes Beth and tears them both a strip for not even waiting four fucking months before jumping in the sack with each other. Bethany suggests that they cool it for a while and to her shock, Daniel agrees. Yeah, that was... The look on her face when he's like, yeah, you're probably right, mm-hmm. was priceless <laughs> because you just know that she, in her naive, childlike way, was expecting him to say, you know, no, I choose you. I chose love for my best. Yes. Yes, you know, once again, it's like she thinks she's living in she thinks she's living in Wuthering Heights. <laughs> Tim goes to see Abby at the garage and makes small talk about VAR. Abby sees through it though, and Kev comes along and she accuses Kev of tap dancing around the elephant in the room too. Kev says it's none of my business. Then a delivery guy shows up with a Valentine's basket for Abby, and Kev is surprised that she and Ray are still an item. He accuses her of turning a blind eye, and he doesn't know who she is anymore. For the money. And this is Kev. Money, money. This is Kev saying this is none of his business. Right. I'd hate to see if it was your business, <laughs> Kev, for your opinion would have been. So Kev goes to offload onto Sally, but not like that, who's surprised because Abby was spitting tacks about this earlier. She thinks Kev might be a little bitty jealous. Wait a bit. Back at Daniel's flat, he chats with Adam. He got his hole off Bethany last night, he says, and Beth found out and was furious. And Adam isn't surprised. He asks if Daniel has feelings for Bethany, and Daniel says that he does. Well, then get used to people not liking it, says he Adam. He thinks he does. At the garage, Abby reveals her master plan to Bethany. She's still going to the charity event with Ray because it's important to him. And because it's important to him, she's going to destroy him. Wah, 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 wah. Then later, Ray is impressed with Abby's work in his car. It's purring like a baby. Do babies purr? <laughs> no. Does he mean like a baby cat, maybe? It's purring like a kitten. Yeah. yeah. They smooch, and this is seen by a disapproving Kevin. In the Rovers, Sally is disappointed in Abby, and Abby reassures Sally, just you wait and see what I've got planned. 
<laughs> then comes Daniel wanting to speak with Bethany, and despite the cooling off thing being her idea, Bethany is pissed. Then Daniel kisses her in front of all the other punters in the pub and says, There. He announces because his relationship. Get an eyeful, people. Oh, God. Because, it's like, because people these people fucking care? care? Who cares? Nobody cares. Look at me. I'm going to kiss this woman. People in a non speaking role who are just here to fill seats. I'm in a relationship with this person you probably don't know. And, and if you didn't know, my wife's been dead for only four months. And, and yet, I, I am kissing this blonde woman here. Who I also kissed before my wife died. And last night, I got my hole. Thank you for your attention. <laughs> As you were. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your Valentine's Day. Yep. We're an item. <laughs> Fuck you all, says Daniel. And Bethany melts. Yeah, because he's giving her what she wants. This big grand romantic gesture that young women in their early 20s seem to want. Right. Later, Blech. Bethany, Alia and Daniel are all in the bistro to see Abby's revenge. Yeah. Abby introduces Ray to Sonia and Davina and Poppy and they all seem to be previous victims of Ray who starts to sweat like a rapist because he, he probably is, is one. Abby taps her glass. She has an announcement <laughs> to make. We're here for one man and that man has a secret. She introduces the three women. They've all signed non-disclosure agreements, but Abby can speak for them and goes through the list of accusations. Hand up the skirt, told they were sacked if they didn't have sex with them, and Ray panics and turns up the music. <laughs> and the other one, or he asks Faye to turn up the music and Faye declines to turn up the music. So then Ray has to do it himself. Mm -hmm. But one of those young women, apparently he raped before she was 16. Oh, she was 16. Or she just, she was only 16. Only 16. Yeah. Yikes. Creepy. Ray drags Abby into the kitchen. Who do you think anyone is going to believe here? He's a pillar of the fucking community. He's made of money. Away and shoot heroin into your eyeballs, he says. Or wherever you slags shoot it these days. Yeah, you tart. You rough, scally bitch. Just. It's really awful. Plucking the insults from out of the air, seemingly. Abby storms out and on her way grabs Ray's keys for his car. She's about to jump into the Porsche when Kev stops her. Come in for a brew and calm down, he says. Abby tells Kev that Ray loves this car and she gets it's in... It's the only thing he loves. She gets in and she drives off. And Daniel and Bethany are in the flat chatting about their relationship and Beth. People love Sinead, says Bethany. Abby does this huge thing. Abby, Abby's the one who gets these women to come and... And make a stand. Without saying anything. Not Bethany. Mm -hmm. Bethany didn't call these women here. Bethany, Alia, and Daniel sit in that booth. They watch all of this happen. They applaud the fact that Ray gets shamed in public and everything. Mm -hmm. They're loving it. Not one of them goes and makes sure that Abby is okay. <laughs> Not... And afterwards, not one of them says, gee, I hope Abby's okay. What do you think he said to her in the kitchen? She kind of ran out and she was crying. Maybe we should have gone and checked on her because she did this huge thing. None of us did. Oh, no, because Daniel and Bethany want to go back to the flat to talk and, about the relationship. How did Abby find these names? I guess she must have I th I think spoke to Bethany some of them. It. Some of them were in the blog post, I'm assuming. 
Although I thought all those women spoke on uh, <laughs> grounds of anonymity. Right. Who knows? One so, of them is named Poppy. Yes. So they're chatting about the relationship and Beth. People loved Sinead, says Bethany, and so did I, and she wanted me to be happy, says Daniel. Do you want me to be happy? I think they've probably got a little keyboard shortcut when they're writing the script for Daniel, so they can <laughs> like, do a, a control S or something that just puts down she Sinead wanted, wanted me, me to be happy. happy. And this is happiness. Meanwhile, Abby is in a dodgy part of town. Burn, baby burn, she sings as she walks down the street, and then a hundred feet behind her, Race car blows his shit up. Yeah. She's 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 Angela Bassett and waiting to exhale and you love to see it. Oh, just... She gets a little surprise. She gets a little shock. And then she starts giggling. And then she starts to laugh maniacally. Yes. It was a little joker, I thought. Not no. the Heath Lloyd's a joker. Not the... No, it's Angela Bassett and waiting to exhale. That was a pretty impressive shot. Yeah. And that's how it ends. Finally, after almost 40 minutes, that's how we end that story for the week. Yes. You think this is going to all come back to bite Abby in the ass? Yeah, Abby's going to get into some serious trouble here because... Isn't she on parole? Didn't she get charged with something? Well, she just got out, she got out of prison before Sally. Right, so she's been out of prison for about a year. So, is she still on parole? I don't think so. Maybe, maybe on license. But he's obviously going to know it's her that done it. Yeah, but how can he prove it? He can't prove it. Unless there's unless there's CCTV right outside of the bistro that shows Abby get into the car. Right. Or CCTV inside the bistro showing Abby stealing the keys. Which is more likely. There's bound to be CCTV in that place. Is this the end of Detective Bethany now? God, I hope so. I really hope so. I don't know how much more of that I can take. <laughs> Our next storyline this morning <laughs> is The Who Live in Leeds. Well done. The Who Live in Leeds. It works. You have to think about it, but it works. Sure. It does. Okay. Do you know which storyline this is? No. It does work. I don't care. On Monday, David's late picking up Lily from Nick and Leanne. Oh, I know, yeah. He's in the rush and has to go back for Lily's bag and then speeds off. He's forgotten to get black tights for Lily and the performance is tonight. Nick says that he'll sort it out. But Nick hasn't really sorted it out. It's Sean that's sorted it out and has made Lily a superb bee costume just as David rushes in to pick her up. Including a crown. It's so adorable. <laughs> well done, Sean. He's, he's such a light hand with a sewing machine. Seems he's forgotten about Max, so he and Lily have to rush off again. David gets home to pick up Max. Where the fuck have you been, he says. Marion has tried calling David a thousand times. He rushes the kids into the car as he calls Marion back. Then David is driving to the play when he falls asleep at the wheel and crashes into a skip that just jumps in front of him. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's fine though. Kevin and Nick appear on the scene, but the car's fucked. How is he supposed to get to Leeds tomorrow, he says. And back home, Gail and Audrey give David a hard time about falling asleep at the wheel. Lily wants to go to the play, but Max isn't in the mood anymore. They chat for a while, and in an act of selfishness, it looks like no one is going to take Lily to the fucking play until Nick thinks that Leanne might be able to help. Seriously, they're 
Somebody take they're this poor all, child to the plate. They're all sitting around there, bitching at David. Now, one of them says, you know, you've had a really hard time and you're wearing yourself out. I will take Lily to the play. Not one of them says that. No. They all bitch at him for wearing himself out, but none of them offers oh, any solution. And what's Gail doing with our days these days? Who knows? Oh. Kev comes in and tells David that the car is a write-off. What's David going to do now? He needs the family to pull together, but Max thinks that that's bullshit. He's practically loving it, Marines, he says. And Lily wonders why David is never around. Good question, says Gail. And I'm so glad that this conversation was happening because we said so at the time. like, why is any of this happening? Yeah, the whole putting Max at Marion's. Right. But, but then again, <laughs> seeing how useless Audrey and Gail are in this conversation, <laughs> neither one of them seem willing to help with anything at all. Maybe it does compute. Maybe he should have asked Marion to take Lily as well. <laughs> Leanne is happy-ish to take Lily and Audrey will drive Max to Marion's. Right. See, Audrey could have driven Lily to the stupid play. She can drive Max, but she can't drive Lily. It's because nobody wants to sit through the stupid play. That's the thing. David realises what we did weeks ago. This isn't working, so David undoes his dis- decision... Oh, and Max and Lily will stay here. Yeah. Fuck Shona seems to be the new plan. But not really. But not really. Lily is home and enjoyed the play. Leanne asked David how he's going to cope with this new plan. He's still going to have to go to Leeds a couple of times a week. She knows from Nick's brain injury that no one knows how long these things take, so don't beat yourself up if it doesn't go according to plan, she says. So this is the... Second reference to Nick's brain injury right. in this whole storyline of Shona with a brain injury. <laughs> On Wednesday, David's got the kids up early because they need to walk to school. Max and Lily ask for scratch pancakes like Marion makes. David doesn't have the stuff, but he'll get in and spoil them at the weekend. Plus, Shona's going to be home soon. They also have no bread and no cereal, so they go out for breakfast. Yeah, that was kind of hilarious. Nope, no pancakes, we'll just make toast. Oh, we don't have any bread. So I'll make... Oh. Cereal. We don't have any cereal. <laughs> Has Gail actually been and done a shop, he says? And the kids don't know because they haven't, they been, haven't there. been there. Gary sees David and the kids at Roy's Rolls. He asks after Shona and the car. David explains that everything is fucked thanks to Derek. Thanks to your pal Derek, he says. Yes, your pal Derek. So David's resorted to getting a bus into the city centre to then get a train to Leeds. And they finally makes it to the hospital and meets up with a doctor or a specialist or something. She tells him uh, that Shona was quite distressed about the visit and doesn't want to see him. Shona has been quite clear and the hospital have to respect that. But David is upset. He spent three hours to get to see her and won't leave until he does. But instead he's waiting outside Shona's room. He wants to go in and hug her but the doctor thinks that that might be too distressing. She advises that he goes home and focuses on his family. You know what would have been helpful? You know what would have been really helpful? A phone call to tell him this? Absolutely. That would have been helpful. <laughs> so David's home. He spent six hours and a hundred quid for nothing. He complains to Maria and Gary wants to whisk Maria away for dinner, but Maria is more interested in checking in on David. Back home, it looks like David has bitten the head off. It's not Vin Diesel, the weasel. It's the other one whose name I can't remember. The female weasel that Shona got. Right. Sheasel. Sheasel? Sheasel. Sheasel. Oh, Wait. <laughs> So wait, David bit the head off or did Lily 
drop it and break it. And why was Sheezel the Weasel there? Because isn't Sheezel the Weasel supposed to be in the barbershop? Oh, Vin Diesel the Weasel's in the barbershop. Aren't they supposed to both be in there because they're like a a pair? That's what Shona bought him for so that Vin Diesel would have a girlfriend. The story that we're getting told is that David thought this was a toy and just chewed it up. How how did that dog reach it? That's what I would like to know. know. That's a wee dog. And then David takes a shit in the street. (laughs) (laughs) David is furious and storms out. At home, Maria thinks that she and Gary should think about giving David the Range Rover. Maria hasn't felt right about it since she learned about the loan sharking and how he afforded to buy it. It would be nice to do something positive, she says. And Gary, amazingly, agrees to this. At first first he doesn't agree. At first he thinks it's too much. But... Then, you know, he he begrudgingly agrees. Marie and Gary meet David in the community garden. You'll catch your death, says Gary. Death seems to follow follow you around, says David. Burn. Maria sends Gary off to get the wine, allowing David to explain that Shona doesn't want to see him. Maria thinks that maybe a break will do them both good, give him time to get his family on side again. She gives him the car keys and hopes it'll help. She advises him to tell Max and Lily the truth about Shona. So David and Gary are now chatting in the garden, and Gary admits to feeling guilty about how things worked out, but this was Maria's idea. She wants to help, and Gary leaves him with the keys. David's found a place that can fix the weasel. It's a bit far away, but they could make a weekend of it. Max is worried about not seeing Shona, so David tells him that Shona needs a break, and seeing him is too upsetting. She's not been getting better at all, and Lily is turning into a great wee actor in this scene, I thought. Absolutely. Lily was superb. Yes. And on Friday, David's got a macaroni valentine from Lily. That was cute. Sarah offers him Adam's car, but he says that he's given it a rest for a while, and besides, Gary and Maria have given him their uh, Range Rover. Sarah is gobsmacked. And Sarah is a bit shitty about this. A little bit shitty, yes. Yeah. It's like... It's okay, Sarah. It's okay that they've done something nice for your brother. You know, don't don't guilt your brother about about this. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask for this Range Rover. No, it was just it just fell upon him. <laughs> and later, Sarah wants to talk more about the car, but David changes the subject to Adam, who he doesn't like because he's Scottish. <laughs> Fuck you, David. Right. <laughs> no wonder Shona hates you, says Shona. No, no wonder Shona hates you, says Sarah. And then they laugh. Right. Yeah. This is all a joke. He doesn't really hate Adam because he's Scottish. In the law office, Sarah apologises for earlier and she and Adam winch the faces of each other. And later they're all back at David's and Lily is talking about what uh, kind of dress is she's going to get for the wedding. And Sarah's cautious to talk about this in front of David, but he insists again that he's fine. He can be happy for them and sad for himself at the same time. Plus, once they're married, maybe they'll fuck off and live somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, you know, I like, I've always liked the, the brother-sister relationship between these two, you yeah. know. They give each other a hard time and stuff and yeah. tease one another. But it's all in good fun. It's good. It's good. So this kind of feels like it's a little bit of a drawing the line under the whole Shona's not in it anymore for a while. Yes. Story. Yes. We get a we get we get that one brief shot of her, you know, in a dark room looking scared. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't say anything. No. She's just looking. It might have been a picture. Uh, it, it's 
probably something that they just picked up off the cutting room floor. It, it looked kind of like the time that she had the cold sore. Remember back then when she had the cold sore on her lip? Because her lip looked funny. And she posted on, <laughs> Julia Golding on uh, Twitter posted that the reason that her face looked funny was she had a cold sore. Uh-huh. It looked kind of from that time. I don't think they dragged her in no. for a five second shot. No. They probably shot it round about that time. So Absolutely, they could use it later. yeah. Yeah. Oh, one hour in and two storylines done. Yeah. And there are eight. Did you mention the fact that She's All the Weasel is going to get fixed? Yes. Yeah. They're going to go away for the weekend and do it. Right, yeah. And it's this huge metaphor of she's going to go away and Vin Diesel, Vin Weasel will be sad while she's away getting fixed. Right. But eventually, yeah. Because, you know, David is Vin Weasel and Shona is She's All weasel right it's a huge metaphor yeah they don't knock you in the head with it at all no. do they? <laughs> our next storyline today this morning is hope and jade jade i want to see jade <laughs> on monday jade. christine aka the social calls fizz she wants to come round at three she has some news for them that she couldn't tell them over the phone Oh dear! And once again, we don't get to see. Yeah, the meeting. they didn't want to pay her to come nope. to come in and and speak. Right. No, it's fine. We've got it covered. That's hilarious. Fizz and Tyrone have had the meeting with Christine. Apparently, Jade has shown remorse, so there are no barriers stopping her from seeing Hope. Yeah. Timbot four thousand says this does not compute. You don't get paid anymore, Timbot four thousand. <laughs> it's a flat rate per episode. <laughs> She's shown remorse, so it's okay. She's she who has is shown to be a liar has not had any therapy, has not had any you know mental counseling, has not been vetted by a psychiatrist or something. It's just oh, she shows remorse. So it's fine now. Do you know how easy it is to fake remorse? Yeah, you just say that you're sorry with it. I'm so sorry. I I promise I will never try to kidnap a child again. Oh, I believe that. <laughs> now I'm trying to think back to all the other times you've apologised for kidnapping children. Mm. I wonder if you meant it that time as well. You'll never know. So, in Roy's roles, Fizz and Tyrone explain the situation to the girls that they're going to see Jade again. Hope is thrilled. And Ruby... Jade! I get to see Jade! Ruby less so. On Wednesday, Hope is super excited at the prospect of going to the cinema with Jade. What you see in asks Evelyn, psycho? <laughs> I love that! Ruby isn't happy that she isn't uh, invited and Evelyn suggests going to see Taken. Well, first, Ruby... This is not helpful, says Tyrone. No, Ruby's like, Ruby's like, why don't why don't I get to go do something special? Oh, well, do you want to go? You can go too. No. Ruby doesn't want to see Jed. I love these wee lassies. They're just... They're so good. Superb. They're so good. Both of them. And Evelyn is hilarious. The absolute best. So, Hope and Tyrone are ready to leave to meet Jed. Fizz Jade. offers Hope a chocolate bicky, but Hope says Jade doesn't like her having sugar. Which... Does not make sense. This is not true. Because remember when 
uh, all those times, like Jade was on the phone with Fizz saying, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. I just got her an, an apple and uh, a piece of dry toast. And across across the table from her, Hope is snickering into her like big waffle chocolate ice cream surprise thing that she's shoveling into her face. Right. This is not true. Mm. This is such a dumb throwaway thing to put in here. Why even put this here? Why even have this bit? If it's if we can prove that that's not true. Mm. So many other things they could have, you know, put in to make a dig at Fizz about Jade. And and they choose something that's not true. It does, however, let Ruby get wired into the chocolate biscuits, though. Yes, as she deserves. Hope and Tyrone are home. Ruby has made a corner shop in the living room. No, Evelyn has made a corner shop in the well, living room for, for Ruby. Ruby. Let's let's remember it's Evelyn who has done this for her grand great granddaughter, and that makes it even more adorable. <laughs> and she's and Evelyn is the assistant, and Ruby is the shopkeeper. It was just it's beautiful. So cute. <laughs> oh, that sounded quite aggressive. It was aggressively cute. <laughs> Hope thinks this is boring, and Ruby gets upset and runs upstairs. Yeah. Fuck off, Hope. Then Tyrone is looking for Cal Paul. It's not in Ruby's shop, says Evelyn, because Ruby operates a no-drugs policy. Just <laughs> I just loved it. Super so up. good. Super up. Ty's about to phone Jade to see if she knew, uh, if she knows where the Cal Paul is. Even I, though... Even what though are you thinking, Jade Tyrone? Jade hasn't lived there for, like, a month. How would she know? Why would she know? What the fuck? Tyrone. I write, fucking bolt to devs and buy some more, says Fizz, and Evelyn stares down her nose at Ty. Yeah. They're both like, what the fuck are you doing? Why would you know? He's the one that's got Stockholm Syndrome in this whole thing. So it seems. Yeah. Him, him and Hope. Yeah, because remember, this was his idea. Well, she's she's crying and complaining and getting in trouble at school, which she was doing beforehand. But... It's got to be because Jade's not here. So let's give her exactly what she wants. Right. Because that's a that's a lesson to teach a child. That yeah. if you kick up a fuss and you get in trouble, you get what you want. It's like bad parenting from Tyrone. <laughs> I'm uh, just going to skip on the next one because we've I, been talking for forever. I, I do love this. And I want to finish at some point this morning. The, the only good thing about Tyrone being the awful parent here is that it's bonding Evelyn and Fizz together. Right. And I like that. I like that. I, well. I like that they are now friends. Our next story. Alina popped back. Why? I don't know. I really don't know. It's, it's funny. I read an interview with that actress and she's like, I was really shocked and surprised when they when they called me and asked me to come back. I had no idea they were going to do that. And we're all like, yeah. No kidding. We had no idea either. Because we thought this storyline was done. Yeah. We thought Emma was finally going and to have happiness. I don't want another storyline where, where Emma, Emma gets shot on. For being too nice. Right. Stop it. Stop it, Corey. They haven't nice to Emma. They haven't gone there quite yet, but... They've gone enough where Emma feels like she has to be nice. <sighs> on Monday, Sean is settling in nicely at Eileen's. Mary seems to be in charge of the cutlery and the kitchen... Sean turns on a breakfast DJ on the radio, but Mary immediately turns it off because that's not how we operate this kitchen. Yeah, I hate, I hated this. I hate, I hate it when they make Mary just 
slightly too over the top. Yep. Mary catches Sean at Roy's Rolls. She's made a colour-coded rotor because the amount of space that he's taken up with his products in the bathroom is unsustainable. Meanwhile, also, I kind of hated that too because it falls into stereotypes, doesn't it? And also makes Mary annoying. Meanwhile, Eileen is sick of streetcars all of a sudden and Sean mentions that the customer service section of Underworld is hiring and he reckons it should you be perfect see. for it. So Eileen drops into the Knicker factory and speaks with Nick about the vacancy. He explains that it's a sales and marketing job and Sarah throws in her two cents, saying that they're looking for someone who can interact with customers and colleagues. Eileen says that she's a people person and no one knows where to look. <laughs> Eileen shows up for her interview and, wouldn't you believe it, Alina Pop is another candidate. Yes. Eileen, she says. And she's so happy to see her. So we have Eileen, who's most definitely not a people person, and Alina, who just barely speaks English. <laughs> doesn't barely speak English. She speaks <laughs> better English well, than she, some of the folk on the street. Right, yes. But she says to Eileen, well, I don't I don't speak English very well. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm nervous speaking in English with people. <laughs> so. Eileen explains that there was no work back home, so she came back for a job in a pub until she saw this vacancy. Eileen asks her about Seb and then clears up the misunderstanding Alina uh, got from Amy a while back about Seb being engaged to Emma. That's not the case, but they are living together. And 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 Alina says, oh, that's good. You know, Eileen seems to give her the impression, oh, well, they're not engaged, so... Get wired in. Crack on. Right. And Alina's like, ooh, maybe I will. Eileen's interview is a role play with Sarah, but not like that. She's pretending to be an annoyed customer and Eileen handle, handles it pretty badly, getting angry with Sarah. Absolutely. It was kind of funny. <laughs> Sarah heard that she had a temper and that people use rival cab firms to avoid speaking with her on the switch. Let's leave it at that, says Sarah. And Alina makes a much better hash of it but uh, with Sarah but admits that she has no experience. Then Eileen meets up with Seb and Emma when Alina arrives at the back of her uh, in the pub. Seb stumbles over his words a bit and Emma looks worried. Seb introduces Emma as his girlfriend and everyone pretends that this isn't weird. Sarah comes into the rovers and gives Alina the job at the Knicker Factory because that's how you tell people that they've had a successful interview. You don't phone them or send them a letter or an email. You go into the pub and meet them. But what's funny about that is that when Sarah walks in, Eileen acts like she got the job. Right. And, you know, asks Sarah when she could start and everything. And Sarah looks very, very uncomfortable, which Eileen enjoys. Right. Eileen, who never really wanted the position in the first place and only applied to ease Alina back into the story, is dead made up for her. Yeah. On Wednesday, Seb and Emma bump into Alina ahead of her first day. Alina is excited and now just needs some place to live. Seb, who has just moved in with Emma, offers up Liam's old room. But thankfully, Alina says that she has some other options to check out. Right, yeah. Who's just moved in... And remember, they do have another roommate, Bethany. Oh, well, that they should probably check in with first for just shoveling somebody new in. Right. Back at the flat, Emma worries that she was being mean to Alina. Seb says that he no longer has feelings for her and wouldn't feel weird about it, but doesn't ask Emma how she would feel about it. No. Alina comes into the rovers job, and, and Emma agrees with Seb that she should speak with Alina. She offers Alina the box room again and Alina and Seb share a look. Yikes. Abby comes into the pub and Sean spills that Alina's now staying with Emma and Seb. Abby gets torn into Seb. I raised you better than this, she says. What is it, three nights each and then a night <laughs> off for a bath? I raised you better than this while I was high off. Out of my tits on heroin. 
and drunk every night and leaving you to raise your brother and sister. I raised you better than this. Right. <laughs> Seb says that he's exclusive with Emma. Alina is just sofa surfing. What could go wrong? Asks Eileen. What could possibly go wrong? That's as far as we get with that one. What could possibly go wrong? Well, well, this has got love triangle written all over it, hasn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, I hate are, it. Are we in the mood for that? I, I don't think it. I'm in the mood I'm for that. I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood for it. I'm not in the mood for Emma getting her heart broken again. Can I, we just let her be happy for a couple please, of months? Can just, we just for a couple let months. her be happy. She lost her dad. She found out that Steve is her biological dad. Yikes. She needs. She finally gets back together with Seb after they had broken up ages ago over Faye and her not understanding that he was HIV positive and that's the thing that he was not wanting to tell her. And has he told her? I believe so. I don't think we saw that though, right? I don't no. think it's been mentioned. No, but I think she does know. Mm. Mm. Next story. Nina's bright ideas. Just on Monday, Nina's helping out behind the counter at Roy's Rose and seems to be it. happy to get her hands dirty. I love but it. But she asks Roy for some black marigolds. Right. Which yeah. Was funny. Which was a joke. <laughs> and it was hilarious. And they both knew it was a joke. It's. I love this. You can get black marigolds. They're not marigolds, though, but they have... Well, no, uh, because they wouldn't be yellow. Because like they have marigolds. the... Um, they have little indentations on the... Little rubbery ploofs. On the soles and the fingers, so you can really get into the into the, the, the grime of washing the dishes. I saw it advertised on the Facebook. They look a little bit BDSM, if you're into that sort of thing. So, sure. Nina has shown some initiative and has made some wee signs uh, for the tables to let people know if they're busy or if they're up for chatting. Feel free to sit with me, says one. Room for a little one, says another one. I'm a busy bee, says yet another. Yes, politics the busy bee one. <laughs> and Roy loves the idea. It's so cute. I love I love that they're working together and everything. I, I and love that. She's been this. creative and she's making little changes and suggestions and, and stuff. Right, and, to be more sustainable and, mm-hmm. and more Yeah, because careful of the earth. Because she's worried about the cleaning products that he's using. He th- she thinks that he should be using white vinegar with some essential oils or something. Uh-huh. And Roy thinks it's a bit of a fuss, but Nina doesn't mind taking care of it. Which, and then and she, then she does. does. And people comment, well, this smells quite nice. Oh, it smells quite lovely in here. Until we go back to the whole stupid Aggie can't cook thing. When, when Lily mentions pancakes. And she says, oh, I make these lovely pancakes with just... The secret ingredient is just like a touch of vinegar, and she can't find any vinegar, so she uses a little bit of the cleaning product. And then people are like, what's that weird smell? Right. Because we can't let go of this whole stupid Aggie can't cook. Stupid, stupid fucking thing. (laughs) Hate it. So this is Nina getting, building up a relationship with Roy and And I love it. You love to see it. Love to see it. Next, Ken's on the move. On Monday, Ken, Claudia, Tracy... Tracy or is he? Mm. Mm. Ken, Claudia, Tracy and Peter meet up to hear Ken's news. This is so funny. They're moving into a retirement village, but uh, Peter thinks that they're getting, they're getting married. married and Tracy thinks that he's, he's dying. dying. <laughs> Those are but, the only two options for them. But no, they're moving into a retirement village and they'll be selling up number one. Peter wonders where he and Simon are going to live. Didn't Claudia just buy a flat? She just bought that flat. Uh-huh. She's, she's loaded. 
Yeah, but still, why why would she's just bought this flat that she's happy with that she lives alone in? Why doesn't she just move Ken in with her in that flat? Didn't they just have like a conversation like a few months ago when she was buying the flat where they decided that they didn't want to live together? Yes. They were they were quite firm in that. Yes. They've be, they've become a thing quite subtly. You know, it was always kind of seemed kind of casual, and they were just friends right. mostly. And now they're moving in together. Uh, but because they're going to buy this together, Tracy is more concerned about who inherits the retirement flat when Ken dies. Ken plays it all down, saying, "Well, nothing's been decided yet," and this clearly pisses off Claudia. Peter and Tracy seem let down by the so-called big announcement, and on their way out, Tracy says that she doesn't even think it's going to happen. Back at the booth, Claudia gives Ken a hard time and he says that he has to broach this, the subject carefully. Right. She reckons that they'll be dead before they move. <laughs> Which was hilarious. <laughs> They're going to move. Are they? I think so, don't you? I don't know. It. it he's lived there for 80 years. <laughs> Having boring conversations around dinner tables. <laughs> I'm sorry, I watched that first episode of Corey. It was not it was not very scintillating. <laughs> Even by There was an empty cup though. There was an empty cup. And Ken Barlow is still a, a stuck up snob. Right. He was the patriarch way back in nineteen sixty. <laughs> what I think is fair in saying mm-hmm. in those days and before mm-hmm. people can act. Yes. That acting is just atrocious. Casablanca. What about it? That acting is atrocious in Casablanca. What? Humphrey Bogart was a great it's actor. Awful. He's a great actor. It's awful. When he's oh. delivering that, oh, this doesn't. Uh, Hello beans. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. It's just he's so monotone when he's delivering it. Well, acting was different back then. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It was bad, and now it's good. <laughs> Humphrey Bogart, God rest your soul. You're a shit actor. Yes, because Kristen Stewart's great. Oh, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they're, they're perfect. But this is lauded as being a wonderful film, and it is a good film. Mm-hmm. It's a good story, but the mm-hmm. acting's atrocious in it. Absolutely atrocious. I think Bogey's great. Oh well, it's all racist. What is? All Castle acting Blanca? back then. Oh, yeah, oh, sure. there was there were a couple of racist bits in the first episode of Corey too. Somebody was acting like an like an Arab or something in in their in their shopping skills and and then uh Ken's dad makes a dig about immigrants at one point. Right. Well that makes Ken's dad racist. It doesn't mean Coronation Street's racist. Well, who wrote the show? But uh, this is a bullshit argument because you you're saying that you can't have a racist character in something, otherwise the thing that you're in is racist? Meh. That's bullshit. Well... You, you, you can't portray racism in something because I don't think it means it was, that you're racist? I don't think it was meant to be portraying racism, though, is, is the problem. The, the guy that wrote it was gay. The guy, the guy whose idea this whole thing okay. was, was gay. I'm not saying that gays hey, can't be racist, but I think... Gay people can be racist and misogynist. I'm sure they can, but I think... I think this guy was a little bit more open-minded than you're giving him credit for. I think this could have, could well have been deliberately written as being a terrible racist character. He doesn't seem terrible, though. He seems like a nice dad who fixes tires in the living room. 
That's fucking deplorable. <laughs> Our penultimate, finally, this is going to be a long one. Our penultimate storyline tonight is Ed's best gay friend. <laughs> On Friday, Ed's in the bistro and meets his old mate, Danny. Hi, Danny. How were they ever friends? Was he... I guess did, Danny a used to be a construction person is the They share some banter and Danny reveals that he's the next temporary manager of the bistro. Then Danny calls Ed a fat bastard. Danny reveals that he's split up with Tina. Irish Tina? No, no, no. Another Tina. <laughs> Different Tina. Since the last time we saw Ed, he's come out. Ed laughs it off. Good for you, he says. Then in comes James and Danny clams up immediately. He, he laughs. And then he's like, oh, you're serious. It's like, and this obviously gay man says, yeah, I'm serious. Obviously gay? It's obviously gay. Didn't, didn't. I was like, oh, they got a gay man to be the manager of the bistro. I didn't pick up on that until he said. Really? Mm. Hmm. I'm usually quite good at picking up on things like that. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Danny remembers James from the past and the two shake hands, but it looked like they've got their whole off of each other. <laughs> Ed leaves. And I was thinking, should I recognise this guy? Have I seen this guy before? No. Ed leaves after inviting Danny round for tea. James and Danny go into the kitchen to chat. James knew that Danny was moving back to Manchester, but didn't know it was moving to Weatherfield. They what are you on about? They flirt and smooch, and neither of them are wearing protection. They're... Hair protection, that is. They're in the kitchen. <laughs> James doesn't... But, and James is kind of pissed that he's there, because he doesn't want... Because he still hasn't told his dad he's gay. Correct. And he feels like this is going to force it open. James doesn't but want... But not like that. Right. <laughs> There's pills you can take. James doesn't want Ed finding out about his gayness and Danny thinks Ed is more broad-minded than he gives him credit for. Brian and Kathy are in a booth singing Lady Marmalade. I loved I, I loved these little bits of Brian and Kathy on their Valentine's Day date. That was beautiful. In the Rovers. Oh, they're just there for a, pre, a pre-dinner drink because there's uh, the reservation. Brian managed to get a better reservation than I could. So you can... it's a couple of hours away. Well, we were... It just it reminds me of last night because we were gonna go to a for a post dinner drink in our in our local because while we were having dinner we were speculating that it would be quite empty and and sad and it would just be a whole bunch of lonely hearts sitting there at the at the bar listening to the Moody Blues or something <laughs> and then we went in and the place was packed. Yep, there were couples there on their Valentine's Day date. There was a birthday party there as well. <laughs> Somebody's birthday. But it was just all the old regulars were there. Right. And the place was jumping and Chef Dan was up the back playing pool. But not like that. But not like that. (laughs) AB's is a kind of... It's a... It's our rovers. It is. It's 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 absolutely the rovers of the town. The craft is the bistro. They have a grill that's 80 years old. and T&D Coney? No, Mark's place would be Roy's Rolls, wouldn't it? Or would it be T&D Coney? Probably. No, it's, I think it would be Mark's. Probably Mark's. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we thought, oh, we were starting to go, because we're Oh, this, it's going to be hilarious. We're, we're going to go in, place. and it'll be so fat. It'll be hilarious just walking in, and it'll be dead. Because we'll have... all the service burgers and uh, fried chicken and that kind of thing. It's They've got a grill, and they've got a deep fryer, and that's all they've got. Right. And, and they make good food, but it's... And it's it dark, it and it's just, you know, your local... Your local dive bar. And, dive bar. It's a dive bar. That's what I was looking for. And, and like, oh, so you I'm, don't expect anybody to be there on Valentine's Day. I bet you Abies is going to be funny tonight. Let's go into Abies and see what it's like. 
and it's and, like absolutely jumping. And, and laugh at the lonely hearts and <laughs> instead it, we couldn't get a table. Right. <laughs> More uh, shame on us. For, for assuming that, that people really invest in their relationships <laughs> like we do. Where did I get to? Did I finish that? Uh, no, no, we were laughing about uh, Brian, Brian singing Lady Marmalade and dancing. When, it was so cute. That's when Cassie picks it up <laughs> and runs with it. I just loved it. In the neighbouring booth, though, is Ed, who's filling in Aggie, but not like that, about Danny being gay and that. After seeing Dan- Daniel kiss Bethany, Ed is shocked, but Aggie says that she doesn't think they were both exclusive with each other anyway. Correct. At home, Ed is still banging on about Danny. Then in comes James, and Ed has news for him about Bethany, and Daniel is as gay as get out. Wait. Shut that door. James... Wait, wait. Daniel's not as gay. He said, I've got news about Bethany, and Daniel is as gay as can get out. Oh, sorry. I mean, Danny. he's gay in real life. It's Daniel and Danny. Yeah. What the fuck Great. are you doing to me? This is Great. Great. Daniel and Danny. James tentatively asks what Ed thinks about that, and Ed seems blasé. No skin of my nose, he says, which means that when James eventually comes out, Ed's it going to have be. a massive problem about it. Skin off his nose, because it's it's actually his family. Right. And he seems to kind of have a problem with it in in the Rovers when he's telling Aggie about it. Well, he's just, he's really shocked. And I'm like, really? You're shocked that that, that, that man... Who dresses impeccably and his skincare regime is just on point. You're so stereotypical. He was a very. You should, you should be ashamed of yourself. Danny is a very, very beautiful man. That actor is very beautiful. He is. He's gorgeous. And That's so obviously Selden. gay. No, he's gay. It's fine. And you're gorgeous too, my darling. Even though Good your job. skincare routine is just slathering on moisturizer at the end of the day. <laughs> if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Correct. So maybe fix it. <laughs> <laughs> On to our... Penultimate story. Final story. Final story. It's Maria and the measles. On Wednesday, Maria's having breakfast with Gary. I'm surprised we didn't just blend this into other storylines. The, oh no! Wait. Oh no! I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. No. 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 There's a reason why this has to stand alone. Thank you. Maria's having <laughs> breakfast with Gary and Roy's Rolls. He has a house clearance today and invites her along, but she wants to go to the medical centre to pick up some pamphlets on measles to put in the barbers and stuff to help raise awareness. Yeah, she's really gung ho about this now. Yep. And she sees Ali outside the medical centre. He thinks that she's doing great work. She mentions. He thinks that she's doing great work, and she mentions for the second time how weird it is that measles is still a thing, and they go off to the rovers. In the rovers, Maria's still banging on about measles to the doctor, Ali. He tells her that she should (laughs) maybe be grieving for her loss a little bit more, and Gary must be grieving too. Maria says they don't talk about it. Ali tells her to explain to him what she's going through, and he grabs her hands on the table. Ryan hands over a wedge of cash to Gary in the middle of the street. Ryan gets... 20 quid for his troubles. I'm not sure what those troubles were. Here you do. You remember cash to, to Gary. What was that cash for? Remember Gary asks him to go buy a ring last week? Was it last week that Gary uh, says, I've got a job for you? No, he hands it. No, this is what happens. He hands him a wad of cash and it's finally paying Gary off for the money that Ryan owed him from the money that Ryan stole out of the desk months ago. Okay. Didn't Gary write that off? 
Who knows? But that's what it is. And then Gary says, then I've got Gary a job says, for you. I've got a job for you. He has a wedge of cash to take to a jeweler's to pick something up. 50 quid in it for you, says Gary. I'm not sure why Gary can't just do this himself. Because he, he's too busy uh, picking up some used furniture. Furniture for that stupid... And, and also scheduling a nail appointment for Maria. On Friday, Gary's in Maria's gown singing Africa for some reason. Mm. And, and making her breakfast He's in making bed. a Valentine's Day breakfast for her. She could do with a little pampering. He has a day of lovely stuff planned for her, and then he goes and jumps in the shower. And while he's in the shower, Ryan turns up to the flat with a package for Gary and acts really shadily when he doesn't want to leave it with Maria. Right, because it's an engagement ring for Maria. Right. So that's kind of Well, he can't tell her that. Right, but he could just say, hey, I've got this package. It's not like she's going to open it. Just right. leave it. Yeah. Can you drop it off with me? Sure, yeah, here it is. Maria meets Gary acting dodgy on his phone. She's off to get her nails done and he wants her to phone him when she's on her way back. He's doing something at the flat to surprise her and doesn't want her coming in early and ruining it. And she looks well suspicious now. Yikes. Gary is berating Ryan's stupidity at the furniture thing when Carla happens along and she waits before making her presence known by playing a little piano and she yeah. leaves without talking she's, to anyone. She's totally uh, Daniel Craig in, uh, in Knives Out, remember? Right. When he's... Like, on the organ. Right. Yeah. Then Gary's loser customer is back, begging for a loan. This time he seems to be injured. He needs 200 quid to pay off the other bloke that he owes money to. So Gary gifts him the money just to get him out of his face. Right. This is seen from across the street by Maria, who manages to up her suspicious expression by another 10%. Yikes. In the Rovers, Maria confides in Carla about her suspicions when Carla mentions what she saw between Gary and Ryan earlier. Mm -hmm. Maria doesn't think Gary can change, and she storms out. So she's doing some serious thinking in the barbers. She's shut up early and the place is closed, but Ali comes in and instantly knows that something's up. Maria insists that she's fine. Ali goes to call Gary, thinking this is about the miscarriage, but it's not that, says Maria. Gary's a crook again. Ali doesn't pretend to be sorry and thinks Maria isn't tied to him anymore. He asks if she'd be with Gary if it hadn't been for the baby, and she dodges the question. Ali admits That's that not a no. Ali admits that he still loves her. He's always loved her. He thought she wasn't safe around him when he was a junkie in that, because he's not a junkie anymore. He got better really quickly. Yes. Kind of yeah. like Billy. Remember when <laughs> Billy got better really quickly from being a junkie? Yeah, Billy spent maybe eight episodes shivering a lot. Yeah. And then was fine. And then Summer got taken away from him. And then he was fine. And then Summer came back. He goes to leave, but she stops him and they winch passionately. Mm. Back at the flat, Gary's cooking dinner. The flat is all decorated and stuff. He calls her and leaves a message asking where she is because uh, that nail appointment's taking long. They must have grown back by now. And where she is, <laughs> is in the barber's getting her hole off a valley. Ali has more bird tattoos on his chest than I expected. Yeah, once again, <laughs> a shocking tattoo revelation from a bare-chested man on Corey. It's right. Billy all over again. <laughs> Although, let's be fair. Look. We shouldn't, we shouldn't say. All right. Let's not be fair. Right. You, you know what we're saying. You all know. After Maria... After <laughs> Maria has seen Gary's messages and urges Ali to hurry the fuck up and then fuck the fuck off. Ali's worried that she's regretting this but wants Maria to dump Gary. She says that she'll do it her own way. <gasps> Once again, Ali telling Maria what to do. She goes home and despite the decorations and all that shite, Maria calls him a liar. He's still a loan shark. In the pub, Ryan is sick that Ali is so happy. Ali announces that he and Maria are back on again. 
Ryan... No, that's not that's not what happened, Ali. You just got your hole. Yep. Ryan, who knows what Gary has planned, clutches his collar a wee bit. And back at the flat, Maria's packing. Not heat, but clothes. Correct. Gary explains that he gave that guy 200 quid as a gift. It wasn't a loan. Right. And Ma- Maria doesn't believe it. She's sick of being treated like an idiot. Gary grabs his coat and leaves. And stop acting like one. But not before the interval music is played, which was weird. Mm. He comes back with the loser and Ryan, and they both back up Gary's story. <laughs> the loser calls Gary the Mary Poppins of the loan shark business, and Gary is a diamond. What about the package? asks Maria. It's an engagement ring, says Gary. It was supposed to be a Valentine's Day they'd never forget. It's a sup- it was supposed to be a surprise, and you ruined it. Right. Good job, Maria. Ryan comes back into the pub and explains that Gary is about to propose and has convinced Maria that he's on the straight and narrow. And the two of them are solid, but Ali doesn't seem to be believing it. No. Maria's sorry. Why does she only see the worst in Gary? She says Gary deserves better than her. But he has a question that's still outstanding. He gets Will on one you knee. Marry me? He gets on one knee and proposes. And that's how we end <laughs> this week's episodes. With a cliffhanger. Will she, won't she? Well, will she? I don't know. She was very quick to jump right back on the alley train. She was. Quite literally. Yep. Her thighs are still moist. Ew. See, this is... Uh, this. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to finish that thought. Um, <laughs> I think she's going to say yes. I think she's going to say yes too, but... Because she can't, she regrets it, and she admits to she doesn't admit sleeping having with Allie like at the la, at the first sign of something dodgy going on right. with Gary, which should be a red flag for accepting any proposal there, Maria. But um, you know, and saying she's been knocked around so many times that she can't trust, mm-hmm. you know, and I can relate. But, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a pickle she's put herself in. Right. Because she's going to, (laughs) yeah, Ali's pickle. (laughs) It's, uh, (laughs) it's starting off the engagement on the worst possible terms. When a mere, I don't know if an hour's passed since she got her hole. Yeah. That she's getting engaged to another man. Right. I mean, it's got Maria written all over it, I guess, but... Ali's going to explode and go full Joker, isn't he? <laughs> right. He's still got the Joker hair, so he, he might does. as well just go full Joker. And then he's going to rip off his shirt and everybody's going to see those Ooh, tattoos. Where those tattoos come from? <laughs> you like birds, don't you? <laughs> How many are on there? Were they I all birds? The, uh, I, I couldn't... The bottom two... Are they, were, like, pointing down? They kind of looked like they were. <laughs> Their beaks were kind of... <laughs> this way to the promised land. <laughs> <laughs> but what was the one up here on his shoulder? I, I, thought, I just thought there were You thought that was a bird, too? Well. Yep. There was two up here, and there was two down there, and there was something in the middle. Was there? Up the top, I thought. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't clear enough for me to really jump on what they were who else we saw tattoos of billy no uh abby abby's got tattoos on the inside of her yes left wrist yes couldn't make it what that was though no well i liked that 
Mm-hmm. Like, I've... So many tattoos this week. Right. <laughs> I can't wait to see what what, what Sally chooses. She's gonna get so, so, so got him right on her ass. Well, that's what Abby said to him, wasn't it? That get Tim's face on your butt cheeks because your <laughs> your mouth like a cat's arse or something. <laughs> no, Sally will get a little prison tear tattoo and maybe a massive swastika on her back. Thought she'd be one to just get like the little butterfly by her ankle. That's not very creative, though. I bet you tattooists hate doing that. I bet they do. Although, remember that one who who didn't want to do my uh, my Gallifreyan tattoo because she hated doing circles, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a weird thing to say. Well, at least she's honest about it. Yeah, and the guy who did it was really good. Done that in twenty minutes. Yeah, that was incredibly quick. Yeah, even though he messed up the Benny one. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. But just slightly. And nobody knows that but me. And anybody else who knows Gallifreyan. Right. Which is like nobody. Uh, there's one, there's something I know about, <coughs> about my uh, Scottish tattoo uh-huh. up on my, it's because it's a heraldic line rampant with a right. Scottish soul tire colouring right. it in. Yes. It's gorgeous. I think there's one bit that doesn't join up that should join up. Uh-huh. But yeah, forget about it. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, it's fine. He's fine. Your moment of the week. I guess we kind of got to give it to Abby, don't we? With the exploding car. I think it's got to be. That was just a, such a sweet moment. That expression on her face when it blew up and then she just starts giggling. That was fucking tremendous. Yeah. I had either that or <laughs> from one extreme to the other, Brian and Cathy singing. That was tremendous as well. I almost kind of just want to give it to them instead. That was funny. I liked that. It was so sweet. It was heartwarming. Yeah. What did we give it to last week? It had to have been something from the 10th. Oh, oh, was it when uh, Dennis gets... um, Run over? No. Run over? That was a great moment. Oh, no, it was uh, Rita in the uh, Rover's. Listening to ghosts. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which was a sweet, sentimental moment. So does that mean we give it to Abby then? Yeah. The only thing is, is that I do happen to know that someone else has has proclaimed that their moment of the week. Oh, yeah. I know it's that. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. Hmm. You know who you are. (laughs) Well, we don't have any trademark over that, so... It's all fair game. Yeah. No, but I mean, I just, I don't want it to feel like we're repeating what somebody else has already said. Okay, fuck it. Let's give it to Brian and Cathy then. <laughs> Brian and Cathy singing Lady Marmalade in the Rovers is our moment of the week. Moment of the week. <laughs> we haven't given it to Brian and Cathy in a while, so. I don't, have we ever given it to Cathy? I don't know. I can't we've given it to We've given it to Brian. Have we? I think I think so. I think we've given it to him with the whole, um, in the whole, you know, bullying. Oh, with that prick, thing. yeah, yeah. When I, we gave it to the everyone when in the everyone in the rover yeah. standing up for Brian, right? Yeah. So it's been a while. So let's give it to Brian and Kathy. Why not? And our boring moment of the week, I think, we announced at the top of the yes, show, didn't we? Is Alia not getting coffee at work? Yep, that's yeah. our boring moment of the week. 
Boring moment of the week. Jesus God, this has lasted... We're coming up for an hour and 50 minutes. And you have another podcast to do. Later on this, this afternoon. Yeah, you need tonight. to do a Squarecast. Right. With Rock Bottom. Oh. My favourite Spongebob episode of all time. I wasn't that taken by it. Yeah, well. It was okay. You're not as intellectual as I am. <laughs> Fuck you very much, Liam. <laughs> Shall we wrap this up? Yes, please. Okay, let me scroll down to the bottom where it has the things that I want to say. What do you want to say, my darling? If you've ever wondered what suspicion expression level is appropriate for the situation you find yourself in, you can drop us a line and we'll tell you. On email, <laughs> we are the talk of the street at gmail.com, which is also how you can leave us a voicemail on Skype or drop a nugget or two into our virtual tip jar on PayPal. And after the bill for dinner last night, that would be very much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're at Cory Podcast. And please consider a cheeky wee like, subscribe, rating and review on the iTunes or on your podcast provider of choice. Please. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more I Talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Bye. Cheerio. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.